0: Okay, so you're rolling? I'm rolling. And so far, so good. Okay, great. Me too. All right. So, hello and good morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's really morning in Berlin. It's 9.30 in Berlin right now.
0: 9.30, that's right. Yeah, I... Um,
1: how would you like? So, Ana Maria Alvarez Monge? Monge. But in Germany, I Monge. go for Ana Alvarez. You know, um, especially for letters, um, they get confused with two last names.
0: <laughs> yeah? Yes.
1: You have no idea As- how many letters have been missing or bank cards. No, no, no. So, Ana Alvarez. I, in Germany, I just go by Ana Alvarez.
0: You know, one of my uh, best friends comes from Málaga from in Spain, and she has this great name that uh, she usually just goes by Vivi for short, but the full name is Violeta <laughs> de Río del Castillo. And it's such a nice long <laughs> not name.
1: No <a> chance here.
0: <laughs> no, it would not work in Germany. A beautiful name. Uh, so, Anna, so hi. Thank you for finding time to be here. Um, of course. I just wanted to maybe kind of take your brain a little bit, get to know you a little more. You know, this this show is is occasionally quite silly program, but the whole, the concept just being that um, sometimes I talk to people who moved to different countries and work in different creative fields, and for those who listened to the show before, I've talked about our um, like arrangement where. You know, you guys reached out to me and I did a, an Instagram reel promoting migrapreneur. We're going to get into all, all of that, all, everything your nonprofit does. Um, but I want to know a little bit about your backstory. And, you know, can you maybe say a bit about, you know, where you come from and ha- start, you know, where you want?
1: Yes, absolutely. Wow. Woof. Okay. So I'm originally from Costa Rica. Um, mm-hmm. A beautiful paradise, I have to say um it's a very dangerous paradise as the rest of latin america i'm not not gonna get there but in 2015 i moved to germany my partner back then um um, got a job in berlin and i have to say that i left a really promising career back home my background is in communications Um, my specialization is in human rights So um, I was already working in this field for the last 13 years before jumping to Germany. And I was already working in an international organization. So moving to Germany was quite that moment of realization that, you know, I'm still young. Let's make the jump. Um, But um, what I was not expecting was because of my background and my preparation and experience and studies I was not prepared to what I faced when I arrived in Germany in 2015. So I think back then it was very specific. It was a very specific moment. Um, So it was a moment when Germany was welcoming mostly the asylum seekers coming from Syria. And because of my previous experience, you know, I used to live in uh, surrounded by 130 nationalities back in the organization I was working. So I think to me it was not a um brainer, so to say, what to do? Because for me, Syrians were people that I already knew. I was familiar with the culture. We can talk to eye level. To me, it was not this kind of oh my god, let's help the poor refugees. No, no, no. So I think it was a different setting. Um, how Syria was before the war, and 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 how highly talented educated were these people? So um, so then. In that moment of feeling lonely, depressed, of not finding my way in in Berlin, uh, no finding jobs. The German classes were absolutely boring and terrible, and I. they tough, remember, right? Yeah, <laughs> and I remember feeling, oh my god, I'm never gonna make it, you know. Um, and so, and so then I went to this meetup, uh, full of. I don't know, young European people wanting to, I mean, coming together to find ways how to welcome, mostly when they came all together at, at, at once at some point, um, because they were already coming anyways to Germany in the previous two years, but especially they were a very specific moment. So new ideas and solutions came to the table. And what I was not surprised, neither prepared, is that right there in that meetup, in that place, Um, I founded my first non-profit organization. And so by accident, that's always how I explain it, I became a so-called social entrepreneur. um, Social trumpeter? (laughs) I wish, or he wished. no. Social entrepreneur. Oh, um, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) That makes more sense. That makes a lot more sense. I'm a Latina, he wished to be a (laughs) trumpeter. No, (laughs) Um, so, and my first organization was really successful, um not just only within Germany but across Europe and it put me to travel and uh, long story short, that's what I do ever since. um and now I have another organization we can talk about that later, but yeah, so then I became a social entrepreneur by accident and um a reference in the field of migration, not just only here in, in Germany and Europe, but also route.
0: It's really, it's really such an amazing, um, like the amount of work and effort and time you've put into to achieving that. And you said you worked in a humanitarian field for 13 years before you even went to Germany. So was that something like, I guess, even as a kid, something you always hoped you would do? Or how did you get interested in that?
1: Yeah, well, I also work in the dark side. I used to work in the work in the government in my country as well, um in the Ministry of Finance, uh, dealing with taxes and all that stuff. No, so I think oh, wow. um you, you know, my my first career was journalism because for many of us who studied first journalism, we we kind of want to change the world, right? And so you go to you you go out and then you start getting your 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 jobs and um and and, and you know that um You know, to be a really good journalist nowadays, you have to really, really, really sacrifice a lot and probably do it in an independent way. Mm -hmm. Um, Because most journalists, you know, we tend to, I mean, there's no other way to work for these big corporates, which is probably owned by people which, you know, they have their own interests and so on. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, by doing that and working in agencies in, you know, the most hectic environment ever. Um, I was really good at crisis management, and I used to solve a couple of crises back then in in the place where I used to work. And what quite would I, what, heavy. what would
0: dictate like a crisis in that field?
1: Mm, well, um, from people dying, firing more than one thousand people at once, or um, closing a company and then try to make it look like it's not a bad thing. Um, oh, wow, okay Real crisis Taking crises. care <laughs> Taking care Or try to minimize That goes to media That a big ship Full of drugs And money came And be le- it belonged To somebody Which is well known These kind of things that, Wow, yeah. okay
0: Like straight so, up Michael Clayton Espionage You know no, no, Crimes no, it's, And no, In
1: Latin America <laughs> I mean I don't know What else to say But w- what is really important About this is that Although I was really good At that Very good I was not happy right because initially i jumped into communication and journalism not because i had probably i had always this very entrepreneurial spirit and very like crisis minded management you know yeah. but i didn't know i was an entrepreneur or so on so i think that the fact that i chose journalism back then is because i wanted to do something um and also i come from a very um a very let's say background where my parents didn't go to university my father didn't even go to high school Um, This is what I wanted to get into as
0: well was, you know, did your family encourage you to do these things or was it like a rebellion against something they did to go, (laughs) you know, sometimes people go into a career, like some people say, I want to be an actor because both parents go into engineering and it's like this subconscious separation no
1: it's because I I lived, I lived that background you know I, especially me as a woman um I, I came I come from a very conservative family very religious family where you know I, as, a, as a kid I had to arrive at 10 or 11 p.m I was not allowed to go out parties um it was mm-hmm. very restrictive very uh, chauvinist and um mm-hmm. And, and and for me to break through and to really go to university to work, become independent was was um was not that easy, you know. And it was something that um still where the background I come from was uh, an illusion il- delusional, I would say, especially now living in Germany and do what the, the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um from the background that I come from, probably what is expected from me is just to If I'm lucky, go to the university and the university meet my husband and then have children and then quit all my career and then dedicate to be home, which there's nothing wrong about that. The problem is that the background where I come from is that this is success for women. You know, women are not Mm -hmm. expected to have a career and be my age, not even planning to have kids, you know, so these type Mm -hmm. of personalities, it's not something that is expected in the background that I come from. Sure. So yeah. and 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 I was always very engaged about that, especially social justice, essentially because women like myself, you know, were fighting for this. And I remember a long time ago, I was perhaps nineteen years old or twenty years old. I used to volunteer, you know, like uh, with a group of women. And somebody asked me, like, Anna, do you think we, you can help some women, you know, to how to use the computer and so on. And I remembered that moment of realization came to my head. That in my same town, I made a question to some of these women, and I said, and I asked, um, you know, what's your experience with computer? Just tell me, what do you know? Uh, which I mean, do you have back then? You know, you have Yahoo, you have Hotmail, you know. <laughs> um, you know, and 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 one of them raised the hand and said, my experience with computer is I clean it every day in the house I work. Wow. And in that moment, you know, it's like when you go to university and you come like back to your town, it's like you you feel super progressive. And then that moment of realization right. makes you understand that they have less than nothing. And um, I think that that kept me motivated to, um, especially to, to um, you know, to fight for social justice because... Um, the world is really, uh, um, there's a very few group of people who are very privileged. And I think that in the university I went to, um, I mean, when you go there, of course, there is a group of people who are studying, probably coming from very top-notch high schools. um, And and, and then you, you, you see a world that is very privileged. But when you go back to the place where you come from, at least in my case, you understand that um, that, especially in Latin America, you either are super privileged or not at all, um, you you realize that there are people, and there are many of them, who you couldn't expect nothing. You can't expect them to behave in society, to integrate in society, mm-hmm. because their problems are really beyond our our understanding. And so... Yeah. So, of course, I had to continue working in the dark side, Um, not just only I was good at it. Very early age, I was already earning good money and living by myself and sustaining myself and having a pretty good life. But I was not happy. And that's where I decided to go through um, Mm -hmm. a specialization, a master's in human rights, essentially, because that was my call since a long time Mm -hmm. ago. And then I switched to nonprofits and humanitarian and mostly working with um I was working with an amazing organization living in a campus with 130 nationalities where kids teenagers from all oh, wow. over all over the world um, the organization at is called United World college it exists already for more than 60 70 years old as in 70 years um ago and and people don't know that exists but very very promising leaders across the world have studied there. There's a reason for that. The mm-hmm. reason why there's super good leaders in what they do, um, mm-hmm. it's because you live in a campus with 180, 130 nationalities. Um, you don't get to change your rooms. Even if you are super rich, you're probably the prince, which there have been princes in, in, in that boarding school, and the refugee from Western Sahara. At the same time,
0: mm-hmm. or
1: somebody coming from from Palestine, another one from uh, Israel, um, the rich guy from Norway who came to the organization to see poverty, probably, and 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 dealing with with people coming from Cameroon, Congo, and so on. And What it was interesting back then was to see and witness, and not just only witness, but also guide these uh, students mm-hmm. to be and look at each other as equals. Uh, mm-hmm. Study together, not no chance of changing rooms unless the conflict is very heavy. But to teach them and learn how to solve differences in between, because mm-hmm. the main goal is to learn how to live together. And so I was living in the perfect world, so I have seen it um, as an experiment how the how humanity should live and should work. Um, And how is to give the same chances and opportunities to everybody and then you just let them thrive. I remember before coming to Germany, one of the students, he came from Western Sahara. I remember when he arrived, he, Western Sahara, especially the refugee camp there is just a permanent refugee camp. He was born in a refugee camp. He was brought to be a student. He was really good at math. Um, Long story short, I remember that we had to find ways to work on his teeth um, because he, you know, like he was living in a desert, probably not having clean water and stuff. And um, three years later, he got with pretty good grades, beating the Germans, beating the Norwegians uh, Mm -hmm. into Brown University, you know, Brown Uh, with a full scholarship.
0: That's amazing. Wow
1: you know so that's where i'm telling you like where i come from working experience i've seen how the world should look like
0: yeah and that keeps you going um, right, in, in and that
1: keeps me going and the fun thing is that these people are friends and they will fight for each other forever mm-hmm. and when i came here to germany and i started to see the switch of such a big welcoming to the syrians and in in um mm-hmm. Time frame within one year and a half, seeing the pop up of AfD and all the right wing, not just here, but Brexit and happened, Trump right. happened.
0: Right. That's, That's something I want to get into mm-hmm. as well. Like, you know, as, as a brown mm-hmm. woman moving to a foreign country, yeah. right, as the cusp mm-hmm. of the American politics shifting so very much to the right. I mean, there's so many things I want to dive into, even just from that perspective. Like, you know, you said you, um, y- you know, you were you were with your partner at the time, and and the decision was basically that you had this opportunity to go to Germany to to stay in that relationship. And I'm guessing uh, when you got to Germany, you know, did, did that relation? I don't want to try too much. It didn't last, right, the relationship? <laughs> because what's interesting for me is the idea no, it, of you going it somewhere did, new. It did last,
1: but it transformed into into a family attachment. Also, because. Okay. Um, I changed and 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 so he was he's German and um oh, okay and he had to su- and he had to suffer through me um mm-hmm. Germans were suffering <laughs> yeah, especially if you get with a Latina no kidding <laughs> drama is real <laughs> no but um I changed I changed because um and and I think we both evolve and we both change we are Friends, family, we are That's we are great. everything, you know. Because he was living in Costa Rica at the time I met him, and he saw the difference and the transition of how I was treated the other way around. Mm-hmm. And my desperation at some point of feeling depressed, feeling um rejected, feeling that he saw what I was doing back home you know he saw how important i was i was already in a managerial level and um sure yeah and 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 living here thinking you know i i started my first organization with basically the money that he was giving me every day to survive um and for me helping women back home to be independent and be now a dependent one at, at the age of you know so it's i mean what 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 i want people to understand is that my story is not unique there are so many women and that's basically what i work now today and i keep doing that especially latinas you know if if you're a latina you probably made it to germany you probably already break through your ceiling back home which is really hard to break through anyways as a woman and become independent and and Mm. be a professional so and then you come here and you're treated like a baby you don't you don't have the skill sets to be taken into account in society their work wise and all stuff yeah, so I oftentimes see a lot of women migrant women depressed because of that same feeling of coming here and feel that you have to break the ceiling again and this right. one seems sometimes
0: impossible to break through the one in Germany
1: the one in Germany, yeah. Why do you think because like you're a migrant and you're a woman? Yeah, yeah it's a okay. combination of of yeah. of of two very powerful things that as a migrant to men or women or or however you identify yourself with, but especially men and women, you know, being a migrant in general, it's already tough. But if you already mm-hmm. put yourself in a gender or no gender that you are trying to fight through, um, I mean, you know, discrimination is intersectional. So if you're a woman, if you're a migrant, you probably have less opportunities. If you're black and and a migrant and a woman, you are in the really bottom on on, on the ladder. Um and yeah. the statistics shows that. You know, it's it's scary, sure. you know. Like I you know that in the Middle East, which we all have this mindset that oh everything is oppressed so and so on, more women there are more female founders that are receiving investment for, for their work. But in Europe, in the last year, actually in Germany, from one percent of the total investment went to female founders from the previous year of 2021 to 2022, it moved to 0.5% of the whole investment happening in the oh, ecosystem wow. of, of of female founders, for example. And that tells you how much women have to, th- to break through, like have to really like, go against the odds to really make something happen and and i'm just talking about founders just to give you because there's a very clear statistic and that gives you a picture of society Mm -hmm. um in a world that aren't we supporting female founders you know so it's very contradictive and i found europe especially germany very conservative um in many ways More, more 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 things that i ever ever expected before coming to to germany
0: can you maybe list some specifics as to mm-hmm. what conservative th- things you didn't expect, but you were uh-huh. faced
1: with? Um, Coming from the so-called third world, um, uh, coming to Germany and seeing that everything is paper and everything has the decision still depends on the person behind the desk. Yeah. That although there are structures and although there are um, systems in place to avoid corruption and and so on. Still, things are very lengthy, and it's been decisions are taken or dependent on the bias of the person behind the desk. Yes. Um, Digitalization I mean, the fact that you make a deposit on a bank, and then probably depending on the bank, but most of the time, uh, local banks, you make a deposit and you see the deposit 24 hours later, not in seconds, like back home. That's a very conservative decision because it's related to banks and how banks earn money. With them, with the time they juggle with the money in the meantime of being transferred.
0: Oh wow! So okay.
1: um, another part is female, uh, um, um, female in in women in in leadership position and in le- women uh, enterprising. It's way less than what I was expecting. Also because when I came here, Angela Merkel was still in in, in power and. And you always had this perception of Germany, like oh my God, already has a women leader and has led for so many years, and and so you you think that this is a country where um, you know like women have a chance to start. and it does, you know. But but when you start counting in the statistics how many women are in the forefront in 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 the government, how many females are um, in the forefront of companies, um, did you know that there are more CEOs? Call named Peter or Thomas (laughs) than female CEOs.
0: That's insane.
1: In Germany. So it's it's scary. And and that does that doesn't mean that here I don't have as a woman uh, the freedom I didn't have back home, you know. Like the fact that here in Berlin I managed to walk and arrive to my apartment at 4 a.m. in the morning and arriving alive and nobody you know, following you or trying to steal your stuff, right? Like physical safety. That's yeah. something. You know, yeah. the 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 safety. It's amazing. Munich but is really the, safe. But yeah. there are so many things that we expect Europe to be, especially Germany, to be more progressive. And there are some areas like these ones that I just mentioned that it's not. So mm-hmm. yeah things can be changed. That's the the funny thing. You know, I, I now have the leverage and the voice to be asked by even politicians. Sometimes they come to me and, and actually I had to one two weeks ago and he asked me like, Anna, which laws we need to change in Germany? And I said, you know what, there's many laws that should not be changed, especially the new one about the dual citizenship. I mean, the dual citizenship should be allowed anyways. But the fact that you are now going to be challenge from moving to B1 level to C1 level that's something that shouldn't change you know like how many citizens have uh, which already have the german citizenship have contributed so much to this country in terms of taxes and so on and they were able to to request for citizenship because of 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 the level of german because they are working they don't have time to 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 go to classes so my answer to him was there are so many laws that should not be changed Mm -hmm. but if there's something that we need to all work together and change is a mindset and that mindset has and if we're gonna change change. (laughs) which is hard because if you're gonna make a real change in society you need to do it from a progressive side you Mm -hmm. don't change things with a conservative mindset you don't historically speaking right and so if there's no progressiveness and open and really open minded, mindedness mindness on really changing a system. Probably the changes are going to create a bit of harm to some group of population uh, okay. in the population. Yeah. And you know, when you
0: were basically dreaming up this this nonprofit, and how did you decide? Or when you were living in Berlin originally, you know, why did you decide that that was the best city to stick with, as opposed to trying a different city with different a different state? You know, for example. How did you know Berlin was the place, the best place mm-hmm. to do it?
1: <laughs> because back then it was cheaper, mm. and for enterprising and for and for innovating, um, I also have a for-profit, and and I also run other nonprofits as well now. But for enterprising, you need to have a setting that is inclusive, and a setting that is inclusive is not just only minded by uh like uh, diversity around you, not nationalities, but all kinds of people around you, transportation and 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 a movement has to be more um it, it has to be um has to be there, but also the affordability
0: mm-hmm
1: of starting from scratch and really build something without nothing in your pockets or mostly nothing and only your basic things covered, which sometimes is very tough, meaning at least having the place where you live, a roof, uh, heating and everything sorted out, then you are are ready for innovation and create new things. If you don't have the basics, you probably need to go and find a job and forget about becoming an entrepreneur, you know? Um, and so that's what happened in Silicon Valley. That's why Silicon Valley was a boom back in the days, but now it's impossible. It's only served and reserved for very few people who have money to mm. build companies and build startups, um because it's incredibly expensive. So the more a city becomes expensive, the more difficult it will be for really for 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 anyone to to break through. And so Berlin was that place back then. Berlin's turning a little bit expensive mm-hmm. now. Oh, yeah. I'm concerned, and and actually, there's for me it's not a surprise why, in Germany, from from the creation of four hundred thousand companies a year, went down to sixty thousand, which is a huge downgrade. Wow! It also it's correlated, um, undeniably with with the, city, the economical situation after the of... the the Ukraine war happened.
0: Sure. Yeah. I have a couple of friends who, uh, one's German and one's Brazilian, and they lived in, in Lisbon for, for some years, and now they're moving back to Germany. They used to live in Munich, but now they're, they're moving to Berlin, and I had a lunch yesterday with one of them, and they were saying how it's so impossible, so so overwhelmingly impossible to find a place to live that they've submitted on these apps, you know. he said he submitted probably around 300 applications just to see a place and probably about 10 wow. got mm-hmm. back. And and, you know, and the funny
1: thing yeah. is that three years ago, Lisbon was the place, I remember that, even in the startup ecosystem here in Berlin, everybody oh, we should move to Lisbon, it's thriving and you should consider that. Da, 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 da. Mm. And now because of that hype, it's the result. Yeah, but it's also—I uh, mean, let's say that you could, uh, from an authority point of view, you could capitalize on that. You could, m- you you could um, mm-hmm. do a lot of efforts to keep a city which is still affordable. And mm-hmm. so, yes, this in this matter, it goes back to authorities and what they allow to. Um, up until recent, Berlin was this place where you know you could even fight for a cap f- uh, for rental. Races, you know, and and now not anymore, you know, like only in Berlin, only in Kreuzberg, an entire building that was renovated by Google, (laughs) only it happens in Berlin that they were kicked out (laughs) by the neighbors because they didn't want to Google there because they were afraid of whatever happened. It only happens in Berlin. It only happens in Berlin. Probably if that would happen today, I don't think that would work through, uh, that would work. Um, But... Back then Berlin was, uh, I still want to believe that Berlin is a place, Um, but back then you you could see these magical things happening.
0: And how was it overcoming the language for you? I imagine, I think in our first meeting, if I remember you said you were fluent now, but I I wonder how long that took or how how confident do you feel in that? Because that's a journey I, I continue to struggle with.
1: No, no, no. I still continue. I, I st- I'm still in classes. I do. I'm um, a major effort. I have a private uh, professor, and and actually, yesterday night I arrived from Kern from traveling, and then at 10 p.m. I was hitting my German classes. I mean, it's oh, it's, no. it's 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 um it's an effort, you know. And you know this very very uh, better than as well as as I do. But uh, all of us foreigners know how how much of an effort it, we have to put to really goes to a, a different level I'm fluent but I'm still not confident I speak a lot I'm, I'm always invited as a speaker here and there um, mm-hmm. um even in German countries which I'm always surprised why they keep inviting me <laughs> despite <laughs> of you know and I'm always being very open and honest I said you know like I'm very fluent uh, but I still don't feel the confidence of addressing a big audience in German
0: sure I mean that's a big step um,
1: right. I'm still not there yet. That's why I'm getting ready and preparing and I have this private, uh, you know, but that's something I can afford now. I was not able to afford when I arrived and I started. So I think for me, it was mostly um, um, people in the street, other migrants um, who you could understand, who you can speak in the same level, who you're not afraid of committing mistakes. And that safe space allowed me to just speak uh, in any way um still in front of of locals or germans i'm afraid also because i've seen a couple of things and i've witnessed a couple of moments where they get very hostile if you don't speak really perfect german really hostile yes i mean it's it's when i mean hostile because it really shapes your your trauma with German language, but um I've seen things that are really rooted in in this um proudness of the language as an identity. And um I remember once we I, we had a project with a very large retail private company. Not gonna mention the name. Um And the person that we hand over the report to about the work that we did uh, in partnership, which was a very beautiful project. um, I remember we handed over the report and I decided to hand over the report in German. It was not, I mean, it it was not expected. I just decided to do it in German because they should have it in German because they should share the results and the accomplishments with the rest um, within the HR departments. Because what we learned about putting foreigners and locals together and working together in the same level was just magical um and so of course I did a report I asked um a, a person was working within my team and she's German she was born here she was in doing a PhD already in 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 politics here and so on so I asked her to help me to write a report we submitted the report and I remember receiving back an email a very horrible email saying Anna would you mind not being more professional and not using Google Trans- Translator for, for, for building reports? And I'm like, whoa. What? So they Im- immediately thought that I'd build a report.
0: That's really, and such a rude thing and to ask as well. Yes, I mean, to say and, a, and a, a
1: very upfront, yes. And and I went through it and I said like, there's some mistakes. And I talked to my colleague back then and said like, you know, uh, this, uh, message came through and I just wanted to ask you perhaps if we can just go through the report maybe I don't know maybe some typos or something I don't know what happened because I mean I was interested of course I mean I needed to submit it back with without errors and she started to cry and I'm like oh I'm so sorry this has been my struggle my entire life and I'm like what are you talking about and she said like you know my parents are Turkish and I'm like, "Yes." And I don't know how Germans always notice that I'm not one of them. Like, whoa, 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 whoa! What do you mean, like you're not one of them? You were born here. And I remember back then, I, I, I had the report to my partner, and I, and I said, "Can you go through this report and tell me?" And he said, "Like, mm, it looks like it was not greeted by a German." And like, okay, oh, wow, I'm lost here. How come you like? Can you explain to me how you noticed that? Yeah. And so in that moment, I understood because I don't see these filters. You know, like for me, somebody who was born here is German. Yes. Yeah, period. Same. You know? Um, and, and you were born in the language, you, you're native in that language. And so when you witnessed these little things, and, and, and then I started, I remember we did a workshop after that. I teamed up with, with the British Consul and we did a workshop about language. And we invited people from around the world, like different cultures. And we talk like the taboo topic of a language. And yeah, we find out and we found out scary um, information. I mean, first and foremost, we should be open enough to speak in different accents, in different ways. If if I commit a mistake, that's totally fine. Language is there for us to communicate, send our message across. And and so on, and and the moment we start mm-hmm. to be picky, like, we are living in a globalized world. It's not my fault, guys. I come from the third world. I'm a result of it. You know, we 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 are we should be more open about this. But what we found out is that there are people with the so called second and third generation, which were never identified as natives because there's something about the beautiful experiment of multiculturalism and wisdom since the day you are born that mm-hmm. makes you grow and express yourself in a different way which is beautiful and we should be celebrating this mm-hmm. but instead it's been perceived as a non native man that's just and yeah. right and that me on the other hand, on the other side of the spectrum, it makes me fucking scary to speak the language. Absolutely,
0: you know and what I mean. I thought mean? I was scared. I mean, that's a whole different level there.
1: So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm working on it because yeah. um, I want I want to fight more, and, and I'm always invited on TV in English and Spanish, but I want to do it in German, and i and, yeah. and, and and now I me. lost that fear.
0: You strike me as the type that is not going to give up, absolutely not at all. (laughs) I'm not going to give
1: up, and I don't know The (laughs) Germans will have to change
0: their language before Ana Alvarez stops trying. I just want to quickly, um, just because I don't want to take up too much more of your morning here, I just want to ask, uh, can you just give us a little bit of your, from from your heart, a little intro to uh, what Migrapreneur is and what it means to you, and if you want to tag or promote anything about uh, any upcoming scholarships or anything like that.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Micropreneur, first and foremost, is a purpose-driven company. What that means is it's a combination between a for-profit and a non-profit organization. What we do initially, what drives us with Micropreneur is assist people on the move. How do we do that? Um, We essentially provide systematic support on how to create technology in a more inclusive way toward migrants. And through our non-profit organization, we keep promoting tech education and free education pro bono support on what we are experts um, about, which is bureaucracy. Um, So if you are a migrant entrepreneur, you joined the community, you will probably will be welcomed by a community of peer migrant entrepreneurs who we have helped navigate the German bureaucracy when it comes to building a company. Um, And essentially from setting up a business to we have supported migrant entrepreneurs from uh, the very beginning until sometimes, unfortunately, bankruptcies. Um, We are not lawyers, but we do have a network of of lawyers and tax advisors who we are from the for-profit side preparing to welcome more because they have to go through an entire process of understanding how is to work with migrants be more patient mm-hmm. um, getting rid of biases and we are doing that through technology and we are soon to launch an I mean, there's a software already, but we're soon to launch a platform which is gonna be available for everybody in Germany. But essentially our goal is what we already do in, in, in the backstage, which is how to navigate the German bureaucracy in a more digitalized ways and how to connect with the experts that are make me feel that are gonna make me feel more safe and to ask questions and to set up my companies without being ripped off or or, or you know, not running into mistakes. And through the non through the for uh, non profit sorry, is our gift and our contribution to people like us. And I, when I mention it's us, it's me and my co founder Munzer. He's from Syria. It's our contribution to to give back to people who are still trying to find their way, like us. Back then, in twenty fifteen, mm-hmm. in. From different backgrounds and mm-hmm. and and comings, um, and we keep <clears throat> offering educational educational opportunities. Right now, we have one course uh, called Working Tech, which we um, mm-hmm. um, essentially give the opportunity for those who are still underemployed and unemployed, underemployed means people who are still doing many jobs or they are struggling to find a job in the career that they initially studied. And they would like to see in tech as an opportunity to switch, but not that much of a switch, but it's more complementary. So that's why the courses were designed and were selected on purpose to be complementary to some of the existing careers that we know migrants hold, but they are not able to pursue in Germany. Um, And on top of that, they get mentors, which are members of the community of migrant, the micropreneur community, migrant entrepreneurs who are already in a different level in life. They are already hiring people. They already, you know, like uh, they are software developers or UX designers, experts with a lot of years in in the career. So the idea is that mentors are also migrants themselves who already landed in top-notch jobs or uh, already running uh, scalable startups who are also able and want to give back Mm -hmm. to fellow migrants who are starting and initiating. And because our network right now is quite large, um, we are setting up a group of partners from private companies to public organizations to essentially support these migrants to find really their way in after the courses, Um, not just by supporting them with the German language, but also with upcoming job fairs for them to apply what they learned, and an entire and very ambitious career development process, which allows them to understand um, how to improve their their LinkedIn presence, um, Mm -hmm. how to improve their CVs and get ready for interviews and so on and so forth.
0: That sounds amazing. I'm I'm so glad that uh, you know we had a chance to learn a bit about your past and how you got to Germany and you know what your passions are and it's really it's really inspirational. I'm really uh, thankful for all your time today and for being so open
1: and 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 to you, Jordan, for giving us the space because we don't want um, we don't want to grow like this um, you know just as an, another entrepreneur doing our business and so on. We want to benefit. Um, people because we are migrants we've been there we, we struggle we know each other if we just say one word we know what that means um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of work to do and I'm glad to be working with other fellow migrants like yourself as well um, and many other people that we can contribute with it between each other because hey if we don't do it who else is going to do it
0: absolutely absolutely and I'll put the uh, the website link in the show notes so if you're listening now you can just scroll down to the show notes, check out the link and check out Micropreneur's website and check out Anna. And yeah, I guess we can we can say bye and then I'll just chat with you a bit after we stop after we stop the recording, but um, thank you everybody for listening and go check out Micropreneur. Thank you. And
1: bye-bye. Bye, thank you. Look claim it The saints are- Farsi Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prinz und Moritz Bartscheider, produziert für M945.